This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you by Slack. Slack is a collaboration hub for work, whatever work you do. You can learn more at slack.com. And by Casper. Casper is an online retailer of premium mattresses that you can get delivered to your door for a fraction of the price you pay in stores. Learn more at casper.com slash supertrain. And by Simple Contacts. Visit simplecontacts.com slash supertrain20. Get $20 off your order with the very special offer code supertrain20. And by Squarespace. Free trial plus 10% off your first purchase with the special offer code supertrain. Visit squarespace.com slash supertrain. Hello. Hi, John. Hi, Merlin. How's it going? Good. Yeah. Christmas is the time to say I love you. Mm. Mm-hmm, 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 is it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what Billy Squire says. <laughs> all, all I had to do is I was uh, going through Spotify looking for good Christmas lists, and all I had to do was see the title of that song. And now it's been in my head for 18 hours. Isn't that the way with all of those songs? A lot of bad ones. A lot of bad uh, ones. But a lot of in-your-head ones. Well, I don't love the Paul McCartney song that can't be named, but it sure gets in your head. Boy, it does. You know, he's famous for that. Uh, getting in your head, you don't want him Song, there. Songs that get in your head, yeah. Yeah, he's got good riffs. Ah, oh, the best. His riffs and his just his little... Uh, I don't know, little riffs. He, he has little little, uh, little um, filigrees, little little things. I mean, his his melodies have good bones, but he's got lots of little parts where you find yourself like just singing a few notes. Yeah, flippity jibbities. Yeah. He's got the little little flippities. Oh, but see, I, up. <laughs> I wouldn't call that one of them. <laughs> wah, you want to love that lasts forever and oh. never fades away. The thing is, I feel so sorry for him. And I there's do too. no reason to feel sorry for him. He's worth a billion dollars. <laughs> yeah, yeah, he does he's all right. The, he's gotten everything he's ever wanted in life. But uh, I, but he's just pathetic. And but I feel he's so- like Alexander, right? He has no more lands to conquer. You know what I mean? Yeah, I guess. I don't know. I just, uh, how do you how do you put a price on someone else? <laughs> <laughs> just give me a minute. I could do that. There's some people I feel like I could do that pretty well with. Yeah, yeah, I know. I, know. I think a lot of people would be in the mid four digits. That's the price I'd put on them. four digits. Mm-hmm. Four, mm-hmm. you know, like twenty five hundred, twenty five hundred. Well, you know. I don't. I don't want to be dismissive of human life or value. Thirty six hundred dollars. Thirty six hundred dollars is a good amount to pay for most people. <laughs> I think so. You know. I think so. Sure. The lots built, as they say, with stock. A lot's like uh, baked into the price. You know, you get what mm-hmm. you pay for. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm mm-hmm. saying? You're looking for growth. The thing is, thirty six hundred dollars, though. That's you know, that's not the insurance price, right? I mean, that's not what you get it insured for. Oh, but I also, see what you're saying. Okay. But also, there are a lot of things that are worth $3,500 that you'd have a hard time getting $3,500 oh, abso- the market. Absolutely. <laughs> right? I mean, you that car to you was worth $36,000, but as soon as you drive it off the lot, nobody's going to pay you $36,000 for it. I don't think oh. that's how that works. Oh, uh, yeah. But we're, 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 talking, we're talking four digits here, right? Not, not five digits. If you paid $3,600 for a car and drove it off the lot, yeah, bad on you. Don't drive it off. Just keep it on the lot. They got. They got. If you only drive the car on the lot, they are obligated. I think legally. Oh, to pay you the same amount it's back. Called the, the Posse Comitatus <laughs> Act. As long as you stay on the lot, they have to. They have to give you coffee, and you could. Anytime you stop, they have to put balloons on your car. 
mm-hmm. for as right. long as you stay there. That's a little-known loophole. Well, and if you lived on one side of a car lot and worked on the other, and it was a big car lot... If you, you work you, here, you'd so already be major, home. <laughs> major life hack. <laughs> it's a huge life hack. <laughs> See, people don't always think this stuff through. You know what I mean? No, no, Sometimes you want to think outside the box, but sometimes you just want to get way deeper into the box. How deep in the box can you go? That's a very good question, because a lot of people mm-hmm. would say, once you pass the edges of, of, the, of the cubic edge of the box, you're in the box, but it, can you go deeper into the box? I think you can if you get smaller. Right. You become right? like Nanojohn. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so, so what you do is you go deeper into the center of the box uh-huh. by getting smaller and smaller in the center of the box. Right? It could be so, the, it could be, there could be a quantum space in the box where you get to live in a car. Hmm. You've lived in a you lived in a minivan, right? I've lived in a couple of cars. Let's be mm-hmm. honest. Let's be honest. Let's, yeah. Let's not uh, let's not mince words. Okay, I won't. Uh, I won't. And I've lived in cars where you could lay all the way down, and I've lived in cars where you couldn't. I infinitely prefer the first style. Oh, absolutely. Well, you're 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 a tall man. <laughs> you are. Uh-huh. <laughs> What's funny uh-huh. about that? You're empirically <laughs> tall. Hmm. Yeah, yeah, this is part of the joy of having a kid is you get to explain, you know, lots of things, which they don't care about. But like uh, my daughter, early maybe last week or so, you know, she's getting older. She's turning more into a person. And, and we were using that phrase, we use the phrase that a car was totaled, which is a phrase you just use all the time. Oh, the car was totaled. And she's like, what does that mean the car was totaled? And I had to stop for a minute and think to myself, what does it mean that a car was totaled? And the way I explained it was, uh, I said, that's actually a really good question because it made me think. I, th- I think what totaled means is the car is now, to, to make this more difficult, expendable, which is to say the car would be more costly to, re- to uh, repair than to replace. And this is back to your insurance issue, right? If you've totaled a car, it means that whatever that car is insured for, you wouldn't be able to fix it. How, do you, how would you use the word totaled? Yeah, the 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 same. The yeah, the the cost to repair is greater than the value of the car. That's a real interesting concept. That's a deep mm-hmm. inside the box concept. And there's an entire universe, an entire uh, like sub economy, of people who are just making money on things that are too expensive to repair. Because if it's too expensive to repair, it doesn't cease to exist. It goes somewhere. Okay. Think, give me some examples. Does that include stuff like uh, KQED saying, uh, give us your car? Like, we donated our old car to KQED because mm-hmm. we knew it wasn't worth a lot. And you got to go right. through the whole thing of selling it. So we just donated it. Are there right. other kinds of things like that? People getting it for parts? Oh, sure. I mean, if you, if you have a lawnmower mm-hmm. that doesn't work yeah. at all, and you put it out on the street with a free sign on it, it will be gone that day, it yeah. will disappear, and it will go into the world of tinkerers. There are there are people who can can fix lawnmower engines more easily than you or I. Right. Most of the time, lawnmowers that don't work, they just have some. They just need to have their carburetor rebuilt or something. They just have some small problem. Yeah. And then there's this other universe of people who buy lawnmowers from tinkerers. I don't know if you've ever seen it. If you drive out, probably probably not in your immediate neighborhood, but it won't you won't have to go far before you'll drive past uh, somebody's house where they have ten lawnmowers out front. I'm thinking of like the kind sale. of tinkery shops that you used to see back in the day. Of course, they've been pushed up by shoe stores and dot coms. But you go yeah. to you go somewhere like Hayes Valley, 
uh, Mission, uh, South of Market. Like there used to be places where there'd just be you could afford to have a giant, giant, giant garage or tinkery store. We have John. We have one store in town that's nothing but light bulbs. Right. Yeah, fancy that, that, ones. that used to be at the, the, uh, South the Market. I don't know how long they're going to be able to hang on to that, but places like that, right? Or like back in the day, mm-hmm. like v- VCR repairs, like mm-hmm. that you could find a purpose for all of those disused parts. I don't. What I don't understand is, I mean, this is a famous San Francisco thing. I'm sure it's true in other urban areas, but like, it is on the one hand, it's incredible what kind of stuff you can put on the street where it might be gone in a few minutes, but definitely like overnight, mm-hmm. like the stuff is gone. The, the second part of that that blows my mind, though, is what doesn't get picked up and what does. Like, you know, something like a perfectly good table might sit there, but like computer speakers from 1998 get picked up. Like, I, I, that's that's what I find strange about it. The sand, well, the sand that, people sweep in on their banthas and they pick up all the stuff that they think could be useful. I just don't understand what it's useful for. Maybe are, I'm thinking too far outside the box. These tracks are too close together for sand people. Yeah, they travel single file. I feel like uh, this sub-economy is even in even in these places where we perceive uh, the the standard the, the 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 cost of living to be too great for this sub-economy to still be operating. It's all the more operating, mm-hmm. and it is um, like there's a thing called the salvage title, which is that you can get a vehicle which has been declared unsalvageable. You can get a title for it. It's just a salvage title. It just means so that car that's no longer like a usable car belongs to you. Mm. And you can make it usable and, and, and title it and put it back on the road. What's the advantage of that? Well, you, you, take, can get you a, take nothing and make something. You take nothing and make something. Mm-hmm. You, can, uh, you can get a car for free or for the price of parts and then make it work as a car. Now, if you're like a, if you're like a car collector, you're a little uh, wary of a car with a salvage title because it can conceal a multitude of sins. Mm-hmm. A lot of cars, you know, like uh, when there were when the when the storm surges surge into mm-hmm. places, a lot of the people that live there they have nice cars in their garage, and all of a sudden the car's underwater. Yeah. Well, once a car has been underwater, even for a little while, yeah, it's kind of screwed up. It's kind of like if you shoot a fire extinguisher into the dashboard of your 79 Suburban. Just as a hypothetical. Then then later on in the year, your windshield wipers won't go off. How high's the water got to go? How high's the water, mama? It's got to go what? You got to go like above the axles. I think if you go, yeah, if it goes over the sills. What's that? You're in, What's the sill? What's the sill? Well, the sill, like the door sill. The door sill. The door sill. The door sill. Okay. <laughs> What's the sell? What what's the sell? I'm learning so much. Don't lie me, I'm learning. (laughs) This episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Squarespace. You can learn more about Squarespace right now by visiting squarespace.com slash supertrain. Oh, goodness me, there are so many things you can do with Squarespace. Here's the deal. You go to Squarespace, you get a website, right? Whatever kind of website you want. You can make a beautiful website to turn your cool idea into a new site, your own thing, right there on the internet. It's yours. You can showcase your work. You can have a blog or publish other kinds of content. You can have photo galleries. You can sell products and services of all kinds right from your Squarespace site. You can promote your physical or online business. You can announce an upcoming event or a special project and so much more, so much more. Squarespace does this by giving you beautiful templates created by world-class designers, powerful e-commerce functionality that lets you sell anything online, the ability to customize look and feel, settings, products, and more with literally just a few clicks. 
It's pretty crazy. Everything's optimized for mobile right out of the box, so it looks great on every device and dingus. They have a new way to buy domains and choose from over 200 extensions. They have analytics that help you grow in real time, built-in search engine optimization, free and secure hosting, nothing to patch or upgrade ever. Plus, they have 24 by 7 award-winning customer support. Uh, so, you know, uh, you guys know this. I love Squarespace. You know, pretty much almost all my personal sites are on Squarespace. I've got, I've got two or three for different kinds of things. It's where I post my uh, Spotify playlists. It's where I announce my ungainly X-Men meetups. It's where I have my very personal merlinman.com site. I'm a big fan. I go way back with them. And, of course, maybe most importantly, Squarespace is where we host Roderick on the Line. So you are using Squarespace right now. Dunk. So listen, you go head out to squarespace.com slash supertrain for a free trial. And when you're ready to launch, use that very special offer code supertrain to save 10% off your first purchase of a website or domain. Our thanks to Squarespace for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. Jesus Christ. Uh, This is about the dorsal fin. You can't dry it out, right? It's hard to dry out, but you can dry it out. Mm -hmm. People do it all the time. You just got to want it enough. It's like I say to my daughter, everything's food if you're hungry enough. That's right. That's what I say to my daughter, too, as I hand, as I, as I hand her half of a, sh- a sole of a shoe and say, <laughs> If you're it. still hungry, you can have the other half. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, like when, I, when my Suburban caught on fire, okay. <laughs> I had a choice. Was it, was it, excuse me, a point of information. Were there literal flames? Um, it, was a, it was a serious smoke situation for sure, yeah. right? There were not literal flames. Well, I mean, there were not flames that you could see. What happened? What had happened was an alternator. Did we talk about this at the time? I don't care. An alternator is a device, an electrical mechanical device mm-hmm. that takes uh, that takes the electricity that is generated. It generates. Well, let's see. There's a generator. The, and there's the an alternator of the of the, the ocean. The, the motion and the, the ocean. ocean. Yeah. is translated into electric that's eclectic. That's right. Kind of? Like, don't you... Are the, the alternator... The alternation is it's turning this kind of power into that kind of power. Kind it's of? Tur- well, it's breaking some power down. Mm. Like, an alternator is taking some taking some hot power and mm. it's turning it into some less power, some some lower power, so you can use it on things. Because you're... And so, you know, like, is this, does this lead to the thing about, like, don't leave your lights on... When the car's not plugged in, because you run down your battery, but if the car's running, it's using that power of the car running to keep your lights lit. Kind of? The power of the motor. Is that motor. a totally different thing? Well, the, the, you know, the... the I'm a real gearhead, John, so don't feel like you got to dumb it down for me. They have different names, but yes, basically what's happening is that, that, um, that the power of the motor and the power of the the, the the power the the size of the electricity that the motor generates is bigger than the size of the electricity that will fit in the battery and so the alternator stands in between them and changes the size of the electricity that's not how an electrician would say it yeah that's not how anyone would say it except Our listeners you aren't electricians they'll, they'll they'll appreciate you um, you know arguing by analogy i think it's useful we, to people we definitely have electricians listening to the show, and mm. we will hear from them, and they'll explain about amps and watts and, and megawatts. And our follow-up on that megawatts. will make for great radio. Uh, but what happens, what, has, what happens is, usually, when an alternator fails, 99 out of 100 times when an alternator fails, what it does is it stops, gradually stops working. It stops transmitting. It does. It stops transmitting uh, electricity. It stops, it stops breaking down. Mm-hmm. Stop breaking down. 
But in a very rare instance, my alternator, when it stopped working, it just started passing mm. electricity through it at the at the amplitude that it was coming from them coming from the motor that's, it, that sounds dangerous the firewall's down anybody can get in that's right it was it's like uh you know if your house is wired 110 111 whatever it takes yeah uh but it has to it has to break down from 220 where it's coming from the coming from the city the big boss the big boss mm -hmm. and if you just put 220 right into your house mm -hmm. uh, it would be too hot and that, that's why most uh, electric sockets in your house have, have two of those little pig faces on it. It's taking the 220, splits it into two different 110s, and that's on a per-outlet basis, I think. Mm -hmm. That's why you always of... have to run two amps, uh, two, two lamps. Sorry, two, two, mm -hmm. it pulls two amps, but you draw two lamps. So you've got to keep both lamps on all the time, otherwise your dryer will stop working. We're, gonna, we're definitely going to get letters. It's a lot, well, it's a lot, it's a lot like the bodily humors. You want to keep them in balance. For sh for shizzle, don't you think? I mean, people people uh, short shrift, but you know, I think you want to stay in, in balance. You don't want to be too phlegmatic, otherwise your lamp and your and your dryer won't work. Uh, in this instance, you got it, pure energy, as Spock would say. You got you got you got uncut product going straight to your dashboard. Pure energy. <laughs> pure energy. Pure energy. The average age of a combat soldier in Vietnam was nineteen. No 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 no. <laughs> uh. So yeah, eighteen amps. Was that Harold Faltermeyer? No, that was like Paul F. Paul F. Tompkins. What was the name of that? Who did? Who did nineteen? No, 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 nineteen. Nineteen. I don't even know what you're talking about. I okay. was just I was just reading from Wikipedia. Okay, sorry. Uh, so your dashboard's getting lit. Anything got everything got hot. Hot. And you get that you get the hot smell. You, but a little, then you give a little bit of heat, but you can't have a lot of heat. A lot of things around the hot things. Uh, I think in modern cars, let me let me uh, let me try and figure figure if I can see. Modern cars are made almost entirely of plastic, but they've also uh, figured out ways. I think in which um, you can put plastic against hot things, and it's not it doesn't catch on fire. Okay, they've figured out how 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 to have things not catch on fire. Okay, okay. In the olden times, they used to I think just stuff the back of the dashboard with cotton and maybe oil soaked rags. Okay. So the for, stuff for got, good conduction, yeah, and just for mm -hmm. uh, you know, just to keep the wind from blowing in through the cracks. Okay, it's, it's kind this of ad, is, ad hoc insulation. This is from the factory. You know, General Motors in sure. 1979 was putting. It was, oil a, it was a good rags. job for middle class people. Mm -hmm. right. Cotton, you could be a cotton stuffer. You could be a rag rag boy. Uh, oil a rag dipper is what what they were. The rag boys would dip rags in oil so that they would yeah keep, keep the air flame, out. Flame wrangler. Mm -hmm. So smoke. Smoke was involved, certainly, and you know, I don't think the smoke was just coming from the from the um, from the plastic. Nope. It's like it they always say: when there's smoke, there's something making the smoke. Hot electrical wire is what what the the phrase is. Where well, there's like smoke, that. there's hot electrical wire. Okay, I, I don't like that at all. Oh, but I, want I did wire not. Shot. I want need my wires to cool throw and a huge amount of uh, <laughs> of of fire extinguisher. That was the bad fire extinguisher. Was the bad. That ended up being the thing that was bad. Oh, because you got the wrong kind of extinguisher. Is that the story? Then you have That's like a, you had the wrong kind, wrong kind of extinguishing. The wrong kind, and it's the old kind. That's the thing. Often, so often in these things, the old kind is the wrong kind. Oh. Uh, and it seems like fire's always been fire. We, I think, a lot of us 
for for my part, I've I've spent a lot of my life thinking that the old kind was the good kind in so many ways, in so mm-hmm. many things. Oh, it's the old kind. That's the good kind. If it wasn't good, it wouldn't still be around. It couldn't uh, prima facie. It, it could not be old. Well, in these days, you know the the new kind. That's not the good kind. I you tried know, to the, I tried to buy my classic ant bait yesterday. My classic ant bait. It's not even available. I had to buy different ant bait. Turns out, it's a better ant bait. Oh, is that right? Oh, I killed you, the shit out of some ants oh, last night. That's nice. Oh, you know I what have... they did? Yeah, they did to my ant bait. They just made it. They watered it down. From from one from one year to the next, I got the ant bait. I was like, "Here's the good old ant bait," and I went to to spooge it out. Yeah, and it didn't spooge the same way. It was like much. I don't want to take you off your car, but are you talking about ant gel? Ant gel. Ant gel. See, now I'm a classic Grant's ants man. Grant's ants. Grant's ants has made a great Grant's ants steak. For a long time, you'll know the Grant's ant. It looks like it's got like a little uh, kind of elongated dingus disc, usually made of metal with a hole in it, and then that's got this gray plastic thing that ends in a pointy thing. Designed, you know what I'm talking about? No, and, I don't. Oh, Grant's ants, it's classic, and you stick them around your house or you stick them in your house. Now, I saw a lot of complaints on Amazon. I couldn't find Grant's ants. I, I spent 16 minutes looking for Grant's ants. I had to go with a different brand that's that's real cockamamie, but it worked great. But uh, but you're saying they cut it. It's something where uh, you expect uh, it to be a certain level of quality, and they've mm. cut it. They've introduced uh, some kind of uh, other materials to it. I use Advion Ant Advion. Uh, Killer. Okay, okay. Yeah, Advion Ant, they call it. And it's just a delightful little gel. Oh, there it is. Look at that. And you, you squeeze it out, and it's, you just put a, you just put a little, little dabble, do you? Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And the ants come along, and they see it, and they're like, this delicious gel is just sitting here unattended. They think, it's, they think it fell out of your picnic basket. You, they, you only need one. Once one finds it, the others will find it. That's E.O. Wilson said that. They mm-hmm. will come, and they will, they, all you need is the one, and then the others come. And the more they come, they make a bigger trail. That's E.O. Wilson. If you build it, they will come. E.O. Wilson. I got some sadistic fucking ant killer. So this stuff. I got to tell you about does, mine. Mine, mine is clear, so you can see them inside of it struggling. Well, this isn't a this isn't a struggle based ant uh, apocalypse here. Okay. This Advion stuff. What it does is it's a neurological toxin. Oh, I'm so into this. And so the ants eat it, and then they go back and they take it back to their nest. Yeah. Hey guys, dinner. But then it starts to work on them neurologically, and if, and you'll see you'll see ants that have had the the Advion, and they come back out and they're like, I'm back, I'm ready to get you know ready to ru- ready to party, mm-hmm. and then they they start to get a little twitchy. The ants are like twitchy, and their legs uh, start to twitch, and they start to kind of like not be able to walk in a straight line. Yeah, it's if you're if you're really into like mayhem, yes, um, Advion is. I mean, it will. I think that uh, it was Ted Bundy that said, "If you want to collect yeah. serial killers, just give them ant killer, and see who like really gets down on their hands and knees and and gets into it." Oh, like when you're a little younger, you get a little too interested in <clears throat> wielding the magnifying glass. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> but but uh, but but they watered my Advion down. It didn't work as well. It still works, mm-hmm. but it used to be. You know, I I had a exterminator come out one time because I had I don't know a possum in the wall. I don't know if we've talked about this. <laughs> I think we. <clears throat> I feel like I, I'm really I'm struggling to remember, but I feel like mm-hmm. we might have mentioned mentioned it. Yeah, mentioned it once in passing. But he, as he was walking through my house, he saw a little thing, a little tube of Advion, because I used to keep the Advion just 
on the windowsill in a couple of different places where the ants normally would come in. Oh, the way you put like a, a robber's head on a, on a pike. I, I would not put the Avion back in the in the cabinet. Mm-hmm. I would just leave it on the windowsill like just read I'm just as I walk past. If I see ants, the Avion gets deployed and they never seemed to get tired of it. You know, they never got. But anyway, mm-hmm. the exterminator walked past and he did a double take and he was like, where did you get that? Where did you get that Avion? I was like, what do you mean? Where did I get it? And he was like, where'd you get it? I mean, that's like, that's like, like specialty to the trade. Whoa. Like you only get that if you're, if you work in the business. And I was like, or if you go on Amazon. Okay. And he was like, you don't even need a a prescription. You just go there and get it. He felt so burned. He felt so burned that you could just get that now on Amazon. And I was like, look, bro, Mm -hmm. I don't know what to tell you. I'm sorry. Mm -hmm. So you're you're swearing here by uh, tarot liquid amp balls or it, amp, amp baits. Yeah, I got the amp balls because I couldn't find the Grant Sands. <clears throat> the Grant Sands, now I, I see on Amazon a lot of people, here's a funny thing. I went and I clicked on literally the same thing I bought from Amazon last time, which is the Grant Sands. And it says not available. It even said at the top, it had a little banner. It says, you bought this on this day. Okay, great. Click. Boom. Nothing. Not available. It's widely not available. So I'm wondering if there's some kind of jam up with that. So I went and I read lots of clickbait articles about the best ant bait, ant balls. And that's where I found Tarot. You know, I'm afraid they're using the past tense now. Grant's baits was Mm. one of the best ant killers it says it's a heartbreaker i mean it's like everybody it's like every uh every baby mama has a certain kind of diaper she likes you know you got a ketchup in your house mm-hmm. are, are you a heinz person or are you a monster right so what does grants do oh grants grants well it's got the um it's got the poison in the little dingus and the and they eat it and i think they take it back and it kills the others now this stuff is really grotesque so mm. it, you get this i don't know if you can see from the box i sent you but it's it is clear all the way through now, you turn that thing over, you clip off a little bit of an end. You see that little ramp where they come in? Yeah, I see the ramp. <laughs> you cut a little hole there. Let the liquid flow down into the, the, the basic, uh, according to the oil uh, trap part. Let the liquid and they say, flow. And they say, what's going on in here? What's happening in here? And then they go in there and they scurry around in the poison. Yeah. Yeah, it's amazing. Do they come out or do they oh, just no, they stay in out. there? No, no, no. That's where they live now. Oh, and you get to in, see it all. So you wake out. up in the morning. Now, here's the crazy part. And then I want to hear about your car. But I... So I noticed, you know, when it rains here, you got about maybe 24, 36 hours before you start seeing some guys going, hmm, hmm, what's going on? The ants, ants get washed out in the rain. They got no place to live for a little while. So they're going to come up into, into, your, into your flat. And you oh. see some guys looking around. You're flat. John, I saw some guys looking around. And so I got the, the tarot liquid amp balls. I uh-huh. put that stuff out. I came back. I went to watch a little TV, put up some Christmas stuff with my family. I came back, 45 minutes, hundreds and hundreds of ants swarming. They were attracted to this. How they, many ants will fit inside one of those ant stations? Ask me in a week. All <laughs> <Is that> right. <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Slack. You can learn more about Slack right now by visiting slack.com. Slack is a collaboration hub for work. No matter what work you do, teamwork on Slack happens in channels where your information and conversations are organized around projects, offices, and teams. And because everything you need to work is in one place, it's faster and easier to get things done. With channels, team members don't get left out and information doesn't get lost. Everything people need to get their work done is in the same easily searchable place. Designed to support the way that people like you naturally work together, Slack makes collaborating with your colleagues online as easy and efficient as face-to-face 
The more Slack is used across a company, the more value it provides as tools and information shared by one department become accessible across departments, helping teams work together across locations, time zones, or job titles. With Slack, the right people in your team are kept in the loop, and the information they need is always at their fingertips. You can learn more at slack.com. There's lots of great things about Slack. Uh, One that I love is you can reduce emails. Oh, it's so great. Everything's just all in Slack. It connects the tools and services you need all in one place. It allows you to organize your team with real-time messaging, video or voice calls, group file sharing, you name it. You can save time and improve productivity. No more searching through emails for that one follow-up or searching through multiple systems to find what you're looking for. It's easy and convenient. You can drag and drop file sharing, put stuff right into Slack that works with all the apps you already use like Jira, Salesforce, Zendesk, and Google Drive. So much more. Uh, You know, I'm a big fan of Slack. I participate in several Slacks. It is a critical part of the workflow for some of the podcasts that I do. It's where our team gets together. Nobody else in the entire Slack uh, is bothered, just the people in our little channel. It, it could be about your work project. It could be about Doctor Who, whatever you want. And I've made a lot of really good friends with Slack, so I highly recommend it. Slack, remember, it is where work happens. You go and you learn more at slack.com. Our thanks to Slack for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. Yeah. No, uh, as of this morning, they were, they were, it's not as full as I could have liked, but like, uh, it's not great for the ants. Yeah, I see what you're saying. But, uh, but it's pretty fun to get to see them inside. Now, I want to clarify something because you're going to get letters about this. I am not a basically cruel person and I don't like harming animals. No, I am the, that's I am the person, no, I am the person in the house who is charged with capturing a flying insect and releasing it because nobody else wants to do it and everybody feels sympathy for the thing. I got no problem with that. There's a yeah. couple kinds of things I don't love. I don't love an ant, no. and uh, uh, there's little sugar ants, and uh, and I don't love a mosquito. Now those those guys, I take the gloves off for the mosquitoes. Yeah, it's hard to feel sorry. We for had them. a little run of mosquitoes for a while. They hang up uh, by, by the wainscoting. They're up. They're up near the ceiling. You don't see them. They hang out there all day. And then I wake up. And my daughter's got red dots on her. So I take care of those. I dispatch those. Oh uh, yeah, get rid of those right. Right. But you and I both. You and I both suffer from living in old houses with lots of <laughs> cracks. Oh, Jesus. I wish we just had cracks. I mean, yeah. basically, I can see they they come up through the fireplace, and they come through about an eighth of an inch hole. So yeah. I, I stuffed that with aluminum foil. Oh, that's my mom's trick, yeah. Well, or, you know, in Florida, we would use steel wool if you find yeah. a hole. That's a good way to keep out a cockroach. If they can yeah, fit their head in, their body rust. will come in. Steel, ro- steel, steel wool will <laughs> rust in the wet. That's true. That's true. I've seen that. I've seen that happen. Uh, apparently, ants don't like cinnamon. I didn't realize ants this. don't like cinnamon. Ants don't like cinnamon. It says, but they don't. It's not that you can just pour cinnamon around your house and they won't come in. Yeah. But this person on the on the internet's here is using hmm. cinnamon to corral ants. I have found that I do not. I I am not trying to get inside the head of the ant anymore. Mm-hmm. It is too. Uh, it is too inscrutable. I just want. I just love the idea of them taking the food back to their queen. Oh, I love that idea. And then and gradually poisoning her. Now, yeah. I, I also am not cruel. I also do not want uh, bad things. But the thing about, I, I do not want to hurt things. I don't relish it. But the thing about the ants, around here at least, is if you turn your back, if you forget about them for one second, mm-hmm. they will overrun your home. They will be everywhere. They will find, I could put a tiny little sugar candy mm-hmm. Inside, but, like, a, a, like a star, like a starlight mint. I could put, well, let's say a wet starlight mint. Okay. I could put it inside of a pillbox, inside of a t- 
tied condom inside of a of a leather glove inside of a lock box inside of a gun safe mm-hmm. and the ants would find it. I think a lot of people would watch that video for what it's worth. <laughs> ants you could, would you find it in that on Twitch. Hour. Yeah. Well, it's yes, like a lady I should. swallow to fly, but it's an ant in a glove. So over time you get you get bruised, you get emotionally uh um uh, you kick yourself a Injured. little bit. You kick yourself a little bit. It's almost like letting uh, the uh, the uh, the the feeling of a possum take you off a burglar. In this the, case, uh, the, you know, uh, bad on me, right? Yeah, yeah, right. So I go after the ants. I do, and uh, and the mosquitoes too. You're right. Those two, uh, they, they get no quarter around here. Everything else, I'll work with it. I'll take it back out. Oh wait, no, there's a new one. What stink bugs? Oh, stink I, I'm not bugs. super familiar with stink bugs. Stink I, bugs do not get stink any quarter. Bugs. So here's the bad story. Do they only about, stink when you step on them? Yeah, or squish them more. Oh, you, they can stink if you grab them and they don't like it. We, but, we used to have a stinky bug in Florida, and uh, when you stepped on it, it smelled like an amaretto sour. That is kind of what these, uh, well, these smell like, uh, the, people have a lot of different Do they um, smell like a nut? descriptions for how they smell. Okay. Uh, <laughs> but there is an invasion of stink bugs happening. Uh, right now in our country, an invasion of stink bugs that you came build from a wall. overseas. <laughs> you do have to build a wall, but it's yeah. too late. It's too yeah. late for us to build a wall. In a very short amount of time, Gotta keep the drugs out. They came from they came from Pennsylvania, <sighs> where they were first introduced. Oh god! And now they are all over, and they're uh, they're uh, voracious. So when I see stink, oh, they're voracious, and also they like to overwinter in your house. Do they? It looks like I see one here on a leaf. They, oh, they come in to get warm and dry. A marmorated stink bug. Brown marmorated stink bug. So those will come in. There's a New Yorker article about uh, brown marmorated stink bugs. Okay. Um, and I highly recommend everyone read it. Uh, it's, oh, God. Oh, God. When 26,000 uh, stink bugs invade your home? When 26,000 stink bugs invade your home. March 12th. Oh, my God. Uh, this is written by my friend Catherine Schultz. I, I met Catherine Schultz one time at a party in New York City, uh, back when she was she was not writing these feature articles in the New, York, New Yorker, and uh, she was still just like junior cub reporter, or whatever. We had a nice conversation. Uh, I liked her very much, and then all of a sudden she started writing these like not all of a sudden, but like yeah. I started seeing her byline where she was writing these brilliant long. Fun, you know the the kind of New Yorker articles that you just wish you could write. The, I love the, those articles. The ones where you're like, "Oh, take me, take me on a journey, Catherine Schultz. Just mm-hmm. take me somewhere into a thing I didn't know about." And now I'm, and so anyway, I I recommend you read this article. It will horrify you, but also it's important that we all know that stink bugs, no quarter, no quarter for stink Mm-mm. bugs. Uh, I will. Stink bugs are the kind that I will actually. Uh, I won't use an entire toilet flush on one stink bug, mm-hmm. but I will put a stink bug in a toilet. <laughs> and Let him think about it for a while. I'll, I'll, the thing is, stink bugs are very resourceful. You, if you just put a stink bug in the toilet, it'll climb out. It'll get yeah, out. You might start a small business. So you need to, you need to be wary. You need to uh, be vigilant, always vigilant. And when you start getting stink bugs, fill up a toilet with them. Flush them down. This is why I admire you. Um, one of the reasons I admire you is you're not trying to get in the head of the ant, which I think is smart, because there's nothing in the ant's head but machinery. So I read the C.O. Wilson book a long time ago about ants, and it was chilling. When you you can even like go watch a talk by him about ants, but the way that ants work is magical. I feel bad killing such a magical creature. Oh, they are magic. But the way they work is almost completely chaotic. 
They are just seeking machines. So if I, and forgive me, uh, Dr. Wilson, if I get this wrong, but the basic nut of it is ants are just walking around all the time. This is why I went from... That's what they do. They walk around. They just walk around. But when they walk around, I don't know if it's their testicles dragging like a rat, but they leave a little bit of a trail. They and do so the walk around. It's, it's like, you know, uh, so they walk around, and then if they pick up a trail that maybe another ant's been around, that trail gets stronger. Yeah. And through purely chaotic means, they very quickly, surprisingly quick, quickly discover where, where food is. Just by dumb luck walking around and running into where other guys have gone but they are they are machines they are little machines and I, I admire them except for how i want them dead i do admire them i admire their ingenuity and i admire you for not getting in their head because there's nothing to get into it's all just gears in there yeah well and and one of the great things about killing ants is watching ants yeah um i wish that i could just watch i wish that i were one of those people that had an ant farm on a shelf and i could just sit and watch them because i like watching them oh, they're domestic very interesting. Ants are, are nice yeah, yeah for sure yeah but but uh but watching them when you're trying to kill them mm-hmm. you know i i often cheer them on one will come and find the thing and i'll be like now go tell your friends yeah and uh and sometimes they get confused and sometimes they're not interested you know ants are coming from a different place and they've already got some they've already got a mission or a plan or something oh, they go right side hustle it. yeah yeah a side hustle mm-hmm. <coughs> excuse me excuse me but i you know it's it's um it's one of the ways in which i'm connected to the natural world a lot mm. a lot of people online have a lot of theories about killing ants uh but an interesting thing is ants drown that's, you can that's just, why they're in your dang house yeah but you can kill them with water that's and all. for for a long time I I I I failed to appreciate that they were so vulnerable. And I started when I realized that I would go out into the yard and find one of those giant anthills and I would just take a bucket and pour a bunch of water down it. That's all. That's all it takes. But I don't know for 100% hmm. sure if it was just that ants drowned then every time there was a big flood all the ants would die. It would be like a the origin it would be the ant origin story over and over again Mm -hmm. so there's got to be some other thing ants have got to be able to float away on a leaf or something (sighs) they do hustle they're they're a hustling critter what's cool what's crazy with me is like so i kept i kept finding reasons to leave my family and come back and check in on the terra liquid ant balls and i I would go in and look and and i i I was like bobby hill i was hypnotized and i kept just staring at them because it was amazing. You could watch these movements of them. God, I admire them and want them dead. They're amazing. Because the thing is, the ants, these are sugar ants. They're real, real, real little. Um, they move fast, and then they suddenly move very, very fast. Have you ever seen this? Where they, they're moving fast, and then they move improbably fast, almost like they're yeah. teleporting. And I admire that. They, they, they got somewhere they need to be. It's, it's incredible. A, they, have, they, have, um, they have extra ant power, right? And if you could be down there next to them mm-hmm. and hear, hear the like... Like you could hear the sound effects that were happening in their ant universe, right? If you could go not outside the box, but deeper in the box by getting smaller, right? Down to where the sound effects were. Like Ant Man, and and a lot like the Bionic Man, where you could probably, if you got a small enough microphone, you could actually hear that. That credit sequence, which I love, does not impress my daughter. Really? You can go online, and there's uh, somebody out there. We can make it better than he wants. <laughs> oh, I, love, I love these dear hearts who go out, That's and there's this fella, I, I'm sure it's a fella, who goes through and is like, here are the opening credits to every TV. Did I tell you about this already? Yeah, I did. Here's the opening credits to every new TV show from 1983, or whatever, or 1978, or whatever. 
Mm-hmm. They all look real old to a kid. Really? Oh, I just remember thinking that countdown with Steve, and then the thing blows up, and then they got to rebuild uh, it better, stronger, faster. That was state yeah. of the art for the time. It was pretty hot. So good. I don't feel good about hot. this. I don't. I, don't I watched feel, a. I don't I feel good about movie. my ant problem. Well, I, 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 I think that the ant problem is you're you're now locked in an eternal cycle. Mm-hmm. You're Inter- never going to. You're never going to kill the ants. Yeah. The ants are never going to kill you. Oh, we've always guys, been at war with East Ant Asia. You guys are going to be. Uh, you now have become one with the ants. You think they worry about me? I no. don't think they worry about me. They don't, but they are. I mean. You keep putting things in their path, mm-hmm. including poison. I'm sharpening them like, like a knife. Death hats. <laughs> but uh, but no, I think that you know, I have in, I have become obsessed with the ants, and mm-hmm. then I realize, oh, I the ants have the ants are winning, right? Oh, they'll the always win because they're in, because now they're inside my head. Oh, the answer now the ants are in your head. Yeah, the answer. How did that happen? They got deeper not, inside the box. I'm I'm trying not to get inside their head, uh-huh. but they're getting inside mine. Do you have any sense at all of, of how you could keep them out? Is it you? It's kind of you that's allowing the ants in. You're the what? You're the one who's dropping cereal somewhere. Uh, as my as my landlord once said to me years ago, when I when there was a rat under my refrigerator, and I said, "Yeah, there's rats in my apartment," mm-hmm. and he said, "I did not make the rat. God made the rat." Wow. He was from India. Okay. And. He. Um, it sounds he very was, wise, John. It was. It did feel wise. He was a. He was a. He was a good landlord in the sense that he was fun to talk to. <laughs> he was a bad landlord in every other respect, and he and I got along famously until there was a rat in my kitchen, and then when I told him and he said I did not make the rat, God <laughs> made the rat. I felt that we had arrived at an impasse. Um, I, I, this is something that I think has always been true for me, and I, I've never been somebody who had tenants, so I can't put myself in their position. But it seems to me that two distinguishing characteristics about most landlords is that uh, they don't like fixing stuff, uh, and, and, and instead of fixing stuff, what they like to do is talk, and what they love to talk about is the problems with their other tenants. You ever uh-huh. get that talk? I <laughs> oh we had three we had three gals from the community college living here and they flushed all their clothes down the toilet. You're like really? That's like oh the girls are the worst. You gotta oh you gotta not have them there at all. Oh that's some people that had a, had a meth lab in the in the sink and uh, it's not my problem. I don't I know. I feel like I don't. Um, I feel like I when I'm thinking about my landlords. Let me think about my landlords for a second. Thinking about my landlords. Oh, hang on one second. <coughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Simple Contacts. You can learn more about Simple Contacts right now by visiting simplecontacts.com slash supertrain20. Simple Contacts is the most convenient way to renew your contact lens prescription and reorder your brand of contacts from anywhere in minutes. Instead of heading to the doctor year after year just to renew your prescription for something you wear daily, you can do it on your own time and in just a few minutes. This is Vision Care for the 21st century. Here's how this works. If you need to renew your prescription, you take the five-minute Simple Contacts vision test online. It'll be reviewed by a licensed doctor. You receive a renewed prescription and reorder your contacts. It's that easy. All you need is your current contacts, an internet connection, and 10 feet of space. 
Even if you're totally out of contacts, they've got an option for that too. Uh, so if you have an unexpired prescription and need more contacts, just upload a photo of it or your doctor's information and order your lenses. They do all the hard work for you and take care of verifying and confirming your prescription. It's so convenient. There are a million things demanding your time. Contact lenses shouldn't be one of them. Simple Contacts lets you renew your prescription and reorder your contacts from anywhere. Your couch, yep. The office, not a problem. Doctor's office is now wherever you are. It's reliable, designed by ophthalmologists, and a licensed doctor reviews every test, so you can skip the office visit, but not the care. Uh, so many choices. They have all the great brands and types of lenses you're familiar with, so that you never have to shop around to find your lenses at the best price. You got to go and check this out. Now, remember, this is not a replacement for your periodic full eye health exam. You still need to do that, but if you just want to get some contacts, you go to simplecontacts.com/supertrain20. And if you use the offer code SUPERTRAIN20 at checkout, that's going to get you $20 off your contacts. Pretty good deal. Our thanks to Simple Contacts for supporting Roderick on the Line and all the great shows. Thinking about the landlords. Thinking thinking about them all. A lot of the beep, a lot of the um, Hmm. landlords I've had over the years, I did not interact with directly because I was the person that came into the housing situation later. Mm-hmm. Right? Like I was the person You're that, not on the lease. Aha. Uh-huh. Right. Right. You're I not was the leaseholder. Third roommate. The lessor. So the the rent check, like I always had a roommate that was like, rent's due. And I would give the roommate the rent and I never knew anything more. The la- and every once in a while, maybe a, a roommate would say, a, the responsible roommate would say, the landlord's coming by. You guys get out of here. Okay. And so most of the landlords I knew, I didn't know. Most of them, most of the landlords I only interacted with hmm. through an intermediary, which was the person that had, that imagined that they had always been a really cool, chill person and had now gotten into this apartment situation where, where they were living with John Roderick and all of a sudden they weren't cool anymore. They were like a nagging, awful roommate and they didn't know what had happened to them. They didn't understand it. Something had taken them over mm-hmm. and they felt awful. My roommate, Bueno. Bueno? Bueno. His name, his, his nombre was Bueno? His nombre was Bueno. His father's That's a fantastic name, was John. Bueno. Bueno imagined that he was probably the coolest dude. Okay. And always had been the coolest dude. Mm-hmm. He had a waterbed. Bueno had, had a waterbed. Bueno had a waterbed. Bueno had handcuffs on the uh, hanging from the rearview mirror of his um, Scirocco. <laughs> There's so, so much to unpack there. Bueno had a Scirocco. personalized license plate uh-huh. from Montana that said Bueno. <laughs> Bueno was if you're as... gonna pick a state to get a Latinx license plate in, mm-hmm. that's probably the state you want to go for. Bueno was the coolest cat, but yeah. when I started living with Bueno, uh, at first Bueno was like, "Hey, rents due," and I was like, "What is rent really?" <laughs> and then, like a few months later, Bueno was like, "Look, this kitchen has gotten out of control." And I'm like, is that bad? Or God, God created the kitchen, not you. Like, like, is the kitchen out of control? Or yeah. is it out of control? What is this in service of? And then a couple of months later, Bueno was like, um, when I come back to my room, all of my records are all like upside down and put away wrong. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, well, you know, did you think that maybe 
there were other systems besides the narrow system that you're using? To- Bueno's just <clears throat> pointing out facts in the world. Yeah. Bueno's just trying, he's just trying to get on down the road. These are not actionable statements to you. He's just pointing out <coughs> realities in the world <clears throat> around the house. And little by little, Bueno became very uncool mm-hmm. in the sense that Bueno was always nagging. Mm-hmm. He was leaving notes. <laughs> he was, he was, you know, I, I like, he was laying in wait mm-hmm. oh. for, for things to happen. He was staying up all night. Like peeking out of windows, and then nothing would happen. He's like the landlord at Lightum. He's like the foster landlord. Yeah, he became the landlord proxy Mm -hmm. because things were happening in the house that somebody needed to do something about. And I remember watching the the slow destruction of Bueno during this period (laughs) from being a guy who you know. Would you walk around watching it. You had no <laughs> role in it. You were just there as a third party observer. I was just there, like, wow, bueno, like, what's going on, man? Like, what's happening to you? And he would just be like, I just want to <laughs> just voice. stop to go. <sighs> and, uh, and yeah, so, so I was usually that person in the relationship, uh, in the roommate relationship, the one person that ruined <laughs> everything. <laughs> Everything. And then, you know, when I left, I had no scars on me. I didn't mm-hmm. even get pain on me. Uh, and Bueno was just curled up in a, in a, in a corner, just like, how'd, so, how'd you meet Bueno? So. Do you remember? The thing about Bueno now is he's mm-hmm. the coolest guy. He's the coolest guy in his town. He just realized he could, he didn't need a room. He didn't need me as a uh-huh. roommate. That was the thing. I was, a, I was the, I was a cool suck. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Um, oh, I see. Like a, like a, like a sink, a void. I was a sink. That's right. All cool you drain, goes you drain into cool. me, and none comes back. Ah, oh, you drained his cool. I met Bueno because I got kicked out of where I'd been living before, and Bueno very generously. Uh, I, you know, this was back when I would meet somebody at a party, and then the next day I'd be living in their house. It was mm-hmm. you know, there's a reason that I stopped doing drugs. Hmm. There are a lot of reasons actually. Hmm. And 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 some of them have to do with the fact that I would get kicked out of places, and then I would go to a party that night, a party, in quotes, any event that I could make into a party. Mm-hmm. And by the end of that event, I would usually have found somebody that would agree to let me go to a third location with them or a second oh, location. Oh, you got a cycle. And do not ever take a hippie to a second location. No, sir. But definitely do not take me to a third location. And then once I was at that location, I would put my very small bag down and say, huh, hmm. it's nice here. Mm-hmm. Would you mind <laughs> if I, how, what if I were your roommate? And they'd Kitchen's like, real clean. Records are real <laughs> well organized. They're like, it's a three bedroom apartment. We've got three people living here already. And I would go, but there are so many places. Yeah. You could have a fourth person living in this apartment. You wouldn't even notice. Tall as you are, there's probably places you could fit. There were places there, mm-hmm. and I, then then I then I became a cool sink. All the things started. Everything started. Why is this record put away with the dishes? Oh, <laughs> that's a really good question. You know the thing about that record is does think about it. Doesn't it belong with the dishes? Mm-hmm. Really bad. I I was I kept moving. I kept moving. Always keep moving. Sharks keep moving. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Bueno now uh, it owns the record store in Bozeman, Montana. The cool wow. record store. He's That's a awesome. record store owner. Bozeman is a cool town. Mm-hmm. 
And uh, you can go into that record store any day, any day of the week, and and uh, Bueno's there. It's also for a long time it was a head shop. It I think as record sales declined, it started selling more like mm-hmm. uh, uh, tapestries, uh huh, other things maybe carved carved soapstone things. I think the salvation for those we have, we have one near us. I think the salvation for a lot of those today is yes, weed is less. Uh, Seems less illegal, but boy, vaping. Vape, vaping has uh, taken up a lot of the head shops these days, I think. Vaping? Vape, well, vaping, vape culture, vape vape materials, vape juices, vape rigs, vape replacement parts. Because time was, you would go into a store and they'd say, oh, okay, you go into a store. And like you'd have the counter. And under the counter, they'd have the, the, the locker room. They'd have the rush. Like, and they'd have hookahs. And then they'd have the rolling papers and whatnot and pipes and then lots of signs that said for tobacco use only. Mm-hmm. <laughs> which i want to know the savvy lawyer that came up with that For but tobacco that was, use only. but we i mainly went there to buy rush i i uh i bought like an occasional bong but mainly i would replenish my my supply of uh of rush and uh but they would have other things you're right it could be tapestries could be posters could be but i think vaping vaping's big now john people vape you know i was thinking about uh, so this is a little bit of an admission hmm. but you know I, I make admissions on this show periodically. You go through a tear sometimes. I've seen you make four or five admissions in one show. Four or five, four or five admissions. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I was thinking about this last night because I went to a, uh, I went to a Christmas party and at the end of the Christmas party, I was getting, getting set up to go. And the hostess said, did you have any pumpkin pie? Because I made pumpkin pie specifically because I know that you like pumpkin pie. And I said, I didn't have any pumpkin pie. And she said, well, why don't you take this? There's only one piece left. Why don't you take this pumpkin pie home with you? And I said, thank you so much. And then I looked around. The, the house is, you know, it's the end of the party, right? So the house is a shambles. Mm-hmm. And I said, do you think if I put whipped cream, this is a question that I would ask a hostess. Mm-hmm. Do you think if I put whipped cream on this pumpkin pie right now and then put it in the refrigerator, whipped creamed, already whipped creamed, yeah. that it will survive till tomorrow. Because I was thinking, I'm not going to eat this pie tonight, but I do want it tomorrow. But I don't want pumpkin pie without whipped cream, and I don't have any whipped cream. So if I put some whipped cream on it now, will it travel? And she said, I don't really know the answer to that, but here, this canister of whipped cream is almost empty. We're not going to use it for anything else. Oh. Why don't you just take the canister of whipped cream? Okay. So I did. I said, thank you very much. I took the whipped cream with me with the one piece of pie. Mm-hmm. And this morning, when I looked at the whipped cream, I realized, oh, I also am out of half and half. Mm-hmm. And so when I make my cup of coffee this morning, I'm going to put a little whipped cream on top of it. It's going gonna, it's gonna to function as half and half mm-hmm. until I can get to the store. Get down near the bottom of that can. Oh. So I put a little whipped cream on there. Mm-hmm. Worked great. Just real, real quick in passing. So did you actually not eat it that night? I did not eat the pie. Damn, son. But but like a ding-a-ling at 11.30 last night, I I made noodles and put goulash over the top of it. So I it was, I should have just had the pie. Mm-hmm. What I did, in fact, is I ate a big plate of goulash. Pumpkin pie can be nice for breakfast. Yeah, p- pumpkin pie for breakfast is the best. Mm-hmm. Anyway, but, I, but as I was looking, as I was putting the whipped cream on the coffee cup, I realized that you know, I quit doing drugs in 1994, December of 1994. Wow. Wow. Yeah, December of 1994. 
And um, since that time, you know, just like um, like I'm a real stickler. You know, I think you probably. Oh, I know you're a stickler. Yeah, I'm a stickler. You have a you have a very uh, a bright line upon which you do not right. There are some there are some lines Mm -hmm. upon which I do not. Mm -hmm. Uh, But I always kept like. I kept a little thing in reserve, right? I kept a little, I kept a little bag of holding. Mm-hmm. And I said in this bag of holding, like there's something because the, the, the mistake I made when I, the thing that, re, that resulted me in me getting sober was that I, I decided I was going to stop drinking because it was making me, because I was an alcoholic, but I was going to keep doing drugs. And I took some, and on the last night that I ever, uh, was intoxicated i took a bunch of drugs instead of drinking like the last time i drank was probably i don't know december 1st 1994 it was all in that same month but i don't get i don't mark my sober day until december 10th 19 or 2000 or whatever it was 1994 because that 10 day period between when i had my last drink and when i actually stopped doing drugs i was doing drugs the last 10 days Mm mm-hmm but I always kept this little bag of holding, which was, you know, like LSD is not a thing that you, uh, it's not a thing I abused. You certainly can abuse it. You can take it every I day. I never understood people who could take it that much. I mean, you'd be insane to do it. And and it does, and it has made it'd people be like insane. Addicted, it'd be like getting, being addicted to like going to the DMV to me. It's just so weird. Yeah. <clears throat> but I always put, put it in a separate class mm-hmm. where I said, look, I can't do drugs. I can't get drunk and i just have to understand that like every day i have to just renew that pledge because i know what the result will be yeah but there may one day come a time when i am presented with the opportunity to do lsd or some form of hallucinogen and i just need to carve out a little space for that possibility because i believe it is a different it's in a different category and when I did that, when I left that door open, I knew I was, I knew I was putting myself at risk because you know if you leave a door open anywhere, the ants can get in. Um, but somehow over the last twenty four years, mm-hmm. no ant has ever slipped in through that door, right? I've never taken mushrooms on mm-hmm. a weekend or something. I've never done any kind of uh, intoxicant. Except for one, which is that at the end of a whipped cream, I will do the whip it. No kidding. And I've always done it for 24 years because I, I, I get a thing of whipped cream once a year, mm-hmm. right around pumpkin pie season. I, I, I eat whipped cream on top of pumpkin pies. And right about the time that the pies are no longer right about the time nobody's eating punk pie anymore. It's about when you run out of whipped cream. Mm-hmm. And there's always that time when you're like throwing the whipped cream on the pie and it goes it, like you, you're out of cream. And there's that last bit of nitrous oxide. Yep. And I just, I don't know why I made an exception. Nitrous oxide was the first drug I ever saw used in eighth grade. I think, cause I wasn't, I, I, I wasn't, coming up with with kids that were smoking pot in seventh grade like 
I knew kids that did, but I wasn't like at those parties. Mm-hmm. And in eighth grade, seventh or eighth grade, I was at a party <coughs> at Brent Loxius's house, and Brent had whippets. Brent was the first kid I ever knew that had a car phone. Really? Brent, Brent lived a very unusual life. He was an unusual character. But Brent had whippets, and like all of the cool girls were going into Brent's room and doing whippets and then coming out giggling. And I was sure it was like the most decadent thing. I was appalled. And I it was only because I had just the tiniest modicum of cool that I didn't like forever brand myself as a mega nerd by having by freaking out and being like, oh, "What's going on in here? You guys need to stop this!" Ah, yeah. Whereas at a younger age, folks like you and I would admonish women for their choices in men, right? Wasn't that yeah. that's the thing we both did? But you know, you get to a point in life where you don't want to be the guy who's you know, harping everybody about their whippets. You're just like because I didn't understand what it was, and I was like, "You guys are going to get well to until get you, it's to drugs. like Rush. Until you've done it, you don't you don't understand like what 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 is this thing that these people are doing? What is it doing to them? It's it is not white trash. That's the wrong term, but it's a very déclassé way to get high for just a little while. But yeah. it's pretty fun when you're in middle school. It was really fun in middle school, and 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 we continued to do whippets late into. I mean, I did it all the way through college because doing nitrous oxide in conjunction with marijuana. Oh, my goodness. Call the cops. That is some good what, stuff. What oh. a wonderful, wonderful so journey. Good. Yeah. And, well, and, like, know, and the trouble is the, I don't know, what do you, what do you call it? Rush or locker room? What do you call it? Ni- and, uh, uh, amyl nitrate. Amyl nitrate. You, that will give you a whanging headache. Like, yeah. super bad. And I never had that experience with whippets. Well, whippets is just a, like 90 seconds of fun. We industrialized uh, whip it doing because we would then go to the, the, um, like the party supply store mm-hmm. and buy a tank of nitrous oxide. Oh God. And then get really big, uh, those big balloons that are meant to, that are on rubber bands that are meant to like, uh, that's like, like going like, from a BB gun to an AR 15. It was fantastic. Oh my so, God. so what we would do is we'd get two balloons going and you'd fill one up and then you'd take it in. And then just when you, exhaled it you would take the next one oh god and you'd exhale them back into the balloons so that you could get and you'd get so i mean you would basically half of your buzz was you're professionalizing this in a way that makes me very uncomfortable well because you'd just be you'd be suffering from oxygen deprivation as well as like quadruple (laughs) dosing on nitrous oxide (laughs) oh you would we would fly i mean you'd lose your you would completely lose pass out consciousness did people did people pass out from that it felt like passing out, although mm-hmm. you never, I never saw anybody lose consciousness, but you certainly lost conscious contact mm-hmm. uh, with the world for a little bit. Anyway, so it's the one vice in the drug world I've allowed myself is that at the very end of a can of whipped cream, I kind of, and I'll do it sometimes even when there's a bunch of people in the kitchen. I'll kind of go around the corner and I'll go. Good for you. And You're just not hiding hold, it. Just hold it and like, mm-hmm. and it's never, it's the end of the can. It's never enough to get like a full, I, I, it's not like I laugh or anything. I just get a little head rush. Yeah. It's the one drug in 24 years that I have, that I've allowed. But the other day I was at a party and a guy, I was talking to a guy and I was like, oh, how long have you been a hippie? When did you become a hippie? <laughs> and he said, the funny thing is people think I'm a hippie, but I'm not. And I said, you're definitely a hippie. And he said, no. I'm not a hippie. I'm like, I got 
I'm hippie adjacent. I got I got into this thing through a back door. I was doing something else. I was a normal. I didn't know anything about this stuff. And then, hmm. you know, I met this person and that person, and then all of a sudden, I'm a hippie, but I'm not a hippie. Hmm. I was like, whoa, okay. So can like you, can you say what what, what made him adjacent? Was money. it like spirituality or no, 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 tambourines? No, no. He, that's the thing. He's not into he's not into the hippie spirituality. Mm. He's just he's just he was in it for the money. Mm. Which I could totally ignore. I could totally okay. admire. I was like, look, man, if you can get money out of hippies. Oh yeah. Do You're it. a better man than I. And the thing is, I don't think he's pretending to be a hippie. He's just being himself. Mm-hmm. It's just he's standing around with a bunch of hippies mm-hmm. and you think hippie. Mm-hmm. Like you just it it gets he gets hippie all over him. Mm-hmm. But it's not but he's not he it's not like he's wearing beads or anything. Mm-mm. But I said to him, So no hippie is got you know, like you don't hippie's not on you are you a stoner and he's like i'm not a stoner hmm. like are you i mean do you like do you hacky sack he's like no i mean i'll throw a frisbee and i'm like look frisbee is it's not hippie hmm. frisbee's fully cool hmm. but then he said there is one thing just recently these people have turned me on to micro dosing yes i've read about this and he's like i've been micro dosing a little bit and it's really great that's what people say so they then do, they I talk, do it for their work and stuff. So I talked to somebody else about it mm-hmm. because now this the, he talked about microdosing. So I was in conversation, some other conversation somewhere, and I was like, "What about this microdosing?" Yeah. And the person I was talking to was like, "I have been doing microdosing." And I was like, "I suspected as much." Hmm. And so what they say is, so the one the 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 first guy did not have a ton of drug history. Microdosing was kind of his. This was his new thing. The other person was a drug experienced person who wasn't doing drugs anymore, but had started microdosing. And it, it appeals to both ends of the spectrum. Yes. And both people reported the same thing, which is you do not really perceive yourself to be, uh, you're not hallucinating. Mm-hmm. You just have that like thing mm-hmm. that you get when you're coming on, right? That little just like oh, sort of. Oh, boy. The that'd, little, that'd be better than coffee. Right, the heightened buzz. Oh, yes. They say you're just your mind feels active, you feel energized, you feel capable, and you're and, and also that thing, that wonderful thing about hallucinogens where you just see a little bit better through the hypocrisy of of life, but mm-hmm. you see through it with good humor. We're just like, oh man, everything is everything. You know, yeah. like get just like don't don't sweat the small stuff that yeah. that little thing that you get when you're first coming on where you're like ah oh, don't sweat the small stuff but then you just stay there it's what i you imagine ne- it's like if you could med- meditate successfully yeah. which i which I, I keep doing it even though i don't really know what i'm doing but that idea of being able to not get attached to something like you could just like the the craziest thing in the world could be happening and you could be experiencing the craziness but the craziness doesn't like affect you you just kind of see it and you can just kind of smile I always imagine, you know, you and I have spent a long time in our friendship trying to figure out what the perfect, what, how you could possibly take the perfect small amount of non-addictive amphetamine every day. Just a little. Right? Just, a, just, just a little, a little, little bit. A little, just a cross top that never got addicted. I want, I want like uh, Coffee Plus, Coffee S. I want, I want just a little, little not, you know, some of the similar qualities, but man, I'll tell you, buddy, every day, 22 minutes after taking Adderall, whew, mm-hmm. that's what I want. I want the 22-minute mm-hmm. feeling. 
that 22 minute feeling, but you know not because you suddenly go, whoa, but yep. not three yep. and a half hours later, not nine hours later. Yeah, and certainly, certainly not 12 hours later. Yeah, that's not as uh, fun. But so, so I was quizzing these people like, all right, the, all right, microdosing. So what happens? Is it 12 hours long? And they're just oh, like, I don't know, man, geez. just sort of all day. You're just kind of puddling along and, <sighs> and you forget that you ever did it and you just feel like a little bit, everything's just a little brighter. But and I'm you like, don't start wow. talking to a dog or playing with somebody's hair or any of that shit. I don't think so. The plan you never with find yourself saying to, to your manager, "I'm so into your hair right now." I maybe. Yeah. I mean, you'd maybe have they to dose, calibrate maybe they microdose too. Maybe they don't mind. They just they're just experiencing it. it. I mean, if you're hippie adjacent, yeah, it's not going to matter. I'm not hippie adjacent. Is the thing like I don't oh, want to? No, I spend a lot of energy staying non-adjacent to hippies. But I have my fill of that, buddy. I don't think I can. I don't think there's any way in which I can microdose. I don't think that that is a thing I could put into practice. What, what do you? So, oh, oh, okay. So for your own reasons. Yes. Or, oh, okay. No, no, I don't know. Because but it's there. It just, I mean, if we look at these concentric thing. circles, right? You get these concentric. I'm seeing this as concentric circles. Very, very, very far out in those circles is John has a ready supply of whatever your favorite brand of alcohol is or was like right. in the fridge all the time. You move the stroganoff, make room uh, for the Molson's or whatever. Like there, that's way far out. And even, and as we, as I've said repeatedly, this, this happened at, uh, I was, I think it was bimbos. You wouldn't even take cold medicine from me. No. You, you would not take Theraflu. You would, you would not take trucker speed from me. Not no. interested. No, no. And I do, I keep like a, I keep, I think a gram or two of weed, a bunch of pot, he used candy. to put cigarettes on the doors, right? I got. I still have cigarettes above, uh, uh, up in the cupboard here. Mm-hmm. I have like four or five bottles of liquor. It they until just I smoked them all. You had those Cuban cigars. I still have a couple of Cuban cigars because somebody brought me a couple. Oh, Jiminy! So the next time you we come, although yeah, yeah. Um, but I don't. I, none of those things pull on me. But then there's but a slightly just, grayed out can of Ready Whip here that's not on top of you in the center of the circle, but it's there. It sounds like somewhere nebulously in between. Where would a microdose fit for you in the concentric circles? So, so the big, so the big question. So CBD brought this all to the fore mm-hmm. a couple of years ago when everybody was like, "Oh no, man, CBD! I got a lot to oh, say about that. A lot it doesn't get you high, that. bro. No. It just makes you like, it just chills out your fingernails." <laughs> Like, were your fingernails too stressed before? Oh. Just take some CBD. Be CBD. very careful. That's all I'm going to say. Be oh, very CBD fucking careful. CBD in your bath. But everybody says, soaps. no, we have, a, we have a mutual friend who I think is on record numerous times as saying there is no bad dose of this. Oh, CBD. 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 So CBD. I, called up my, I called up my alcoholic uh, group, which is, um, you know, you know, in Bill and Ted's Excellent Adventure when uh, Clarence Clemens and, and uh, George Carlin... Uh, their little, their little like tribunal. Mm-hmm. Oh yeah, sure, sure, sure. Oh, I see what you're saying. It's like when uh, when Billy Batson goes and talks to the Shazam guys in the cave. You've got your exactly. own little like I've American got Idol group. You got it's right. a Shazam team, Shazam board. I, I do. I say Mark Calling Orson. Oh, angels fleet and strong <laughs> and wise appear before my seeking eyes. Shazam! <laughs> this episode of Roderick on the Line is brought to you in part by Casper. You can learn more about Casper right now by visiting casper.com slash supertrain. Casper is the company that is focused on sleep, and they are dedicated to making you exceptionally comfortable 
one night at a time. You spend one third of your life sleeping, and if you spent your third of your life doing anything, you'd want it to be the best it can possibly be. And that is why you need Casper. Casper mattresses are perfectly designed for humans with engineering to soothe and support your natural geometry. It's got all the right support in all the right places. Casper combines multiple supportive memory foams for a quality mattress with just the right sink and bounce. It's designed and developed in the U.S., and their breathable design helps to regulate your body temperature throughout the night. And with over 20,000 reviews and an average rating of 4.8 stars, Casper is very quickly becoming the internet's favorite mattress. You can be sure of your purchase with Casper's 100-night risk-free sleep-on-it trial. They deliver directly to your door, and if for any reason you don't love it, Casper has a hassle-free return policy. I'll tell you a funny true story. Right this minute, there is a Casper mattress on the truck bound for my house. It is the third Casper mattress that we will bring into our house, and I'm looking very forward to it. My daughter's loft is going to accommodate it nicely. Thank you to Casper. Right now, you can get $50 toward select mattresses by visiting casper.com slash supertrain and using the very special code uh, offer code supertrain at checkout. Terms and conditions apply. Casper.com slash supertrain, offer code supertrain. There are so many supertrains. Our thanks to Casper for supporting Roderick on the line and all the great shows. Almighty ISIS. You've you've called. (laughs) I used to love those shows so much. (laughs) How did he get 30 years older? It's so strange. Anyway, you go before the tribunal. You call together your group. You have a blue ribbon committee, John's blue ribbon alcohol committee. I do. And these these are people who have been in the shit. Okay. And uh, and I made it out of the shit, and they're all they're all super solid. Mm-hmm. But you know, it's not these aren't the ones that are like, oh, I was in the shit. These are the ones that were in the shit. And so I consult them sometimes because I'm just like, I don't know, man. You know, I'm I just need I need some I need a, I need a fucking council of elders. And so I went to the council with CBD, and I was like, what's our ruling on CBD, yo? And so everybody was interested in coming up with a, in talking about it, coming up with a ruling. And so it went around thinking about it, people talking about it, saying different things. And the consensus was when the, when they, when the tribunal ruled, the consensus was no, you can't do CBD. And the reason is not whether or not CBD gets you high. The problem is that CBD is pot. And if you, if you open that, if you kick that door open, that door that I have a little crack open there that lets whippets in and potentially the notion of microdosing. But if you kick that door open a little bit wider to put in some kind of pot that doesn't get you high, mm-hmm. you have kicked the door open wide enough for pot to get through. It's, it's the, at least the beginning of a potential slippery slope. Because if you are, if you're taking something that pot, that has pot in it that doesn't get you high, something that pot made. Oh, that's right. This is the this is the house that pot built. Mm-hmm. Then there are a lot of things out there that but have it's pot. Oil, in it's not in a bag. Oh, you don't a use a pipe. You use a dropper, like a gentleman. Oh, no, it's like a breath mint. It's not pot. It's oil. It's not pot. It's just a little. It's just candy. <sighs> Then you get one of those in you. And then mm-hmm. you're like, oh, your hair is set. Has anybody ever told you your hair is beautiful? And then you're a fucking stoner. And then whatever. You know what I mean? Like it's it's a it's a mental game as much as it is a physical one. Mm-hmm. And I well, do not about, want about, I mean, if I may say, it's about, I, I don't know where the subtleties fall in all of these, but they all, all these, it comes down to decision making. It comes down to what you allow or refuse in your life. 
And mm-hmm. if your shields are up and you're you're full bully uh, Billy Batson group all the time, the shields are always up. Mm-hmm. So the shield comes down, and now you're in a vulnerable state. Like, what do you allow in? What do you invite in? What do you seek out? It seems to me your, in, if I may say, your intentionality about what gets past those shields has a huge role potentially. I mean, don't you think? Well, what it, so because if somebody what dosed it, you, somebody dosed you at a party, you'd survive. If, right? if 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 somebody came in right now with a bottle of Jim Beam and said, "Let's go to Spokane," mm-hmm. uh, I would be able to drink a bottle of Jim Beam and go to Spokane and survive. The the problem is, like, there are a lot of people I'm sure listening to this, and I, and I see this all the time. There there are people who are very sympathetic to. I think most people are sympathetic to drug addicts who are struggling to get over drugs, but they'll never understand why you can't, once you're over drugs, why you can't just have a little or why you can't have a drink on New Year's Eve or something. You know, there's yes. just, there's just never, they're never going to understand. And they're sympathetic. They're nice people. They're not trying to be dicks. They just can't, under, they don't understand the slippery slope problem. And then there are a lot of people that struggle with drugs and alcohol their whole lives because they also cannot ever really get a handle on the fact that they they just can't. It's so, just so not to quote worth Strother it. Martin, you haven't gotten your mind right. Isn't that kind of mind. part of it? Like it's not enough if your history shows that that mostly saying yes or no. How can I put this? The getting your mind right part to me is realizing that regardless of your feelings about a higher power and faith and whatever, you do have to accept on some level that there's some stuff that is no longer for you. And you make it seems like making that line is a very personal decision that has an impact on relationships with people, just like not having it had those ramifications before. But like it's a very personal thing. You shouldn't hassle somebody because they say, I can't have any of that. Oh, well, it's not, and it's not even, uh, it's like, I think most people who have been sober for very long aren't are super not worried about other people hassling them mm-hmm. because you just you have to get used to that you know like if you meet somebody and they're like dude why don't you just have one drink you're like hey guess who is not on my list of friends you <laughs> right. anyway moving right along right yes. it's not like it doesn't none of my close friends are ever like just one mm-hmm. uh, because that's that, why they're they, they want you they do that they're not your friend but. But more to the point, I'm I'm always I'm not worried about those people. I'm always thinking about the person that's struggling, right? Mm-hmm. And and what you end and you say it very well. Like you end up with a li- with things that you know you just have to like you just have to acknowledge these just are not things for me. Mm-hmm. But one of those things is that in our culture there is an, a lot of energy devoted to. Uh, alleviating pain and alleviating pain. It's not just a major, major, major billions of billions of dollar industry in terms of medicine, Mm -hmm. but it's also a thing that we spend a lot of time thinking about and talking about and medic meditation and well, there's there's one very far end of the continuum, which is alleviating uncontrollable, unnecessary, extreme pain. I think we can agree, most of us probably could agree that like if you're in stage four in a hospice, like there's no reason for you to be suffering. That there are things that we can do to make that time easier for you. But then you make a step over from extreme um, pain into pain. You make, a, <laughs> you make a, you eventually make a step from alleviating pain to alleviating discomfort. 
And before you realize it, you might be somewhere where you've gone from alleviating discomfort to alleviating boredom. And you're getting well, closer and closer also, to the center of those circles. But also there are different kinds of pain. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. I know mm -hmm. a lot of people, I have known personally several people who had stage four pain, the worst kind of pain, and, the, and it was a fatal pain, but that to them, taking pain medicine, um, because they were sober people, um, to them, the pain of being on drugs, which is to say the psychic pain oh my gosh. of being on drugs, was worse to them than the physical pain of dying without pain medicine. That is fascinating. I have a I have a friend that got hit by a car and went through the windshield. He was on a motorcycle. He got hit by a car, went through the windshield of the car that hit him, and came out the windshield, the back windshield. Oh God! And when they pulled his helmet off, there were shards of the helmet in his eyes. Oh my God! And they took him to the hospital. And rebuilt him, and in the process, put him on a pain drip, and he pulled it out of his arm and said, I want all of this done without morphine, mm -hmm. because the only thing worse than dying is for me to be a junkie again. Wow. And I, I've seen that a bunch, including my own dad, who, as he was in the hospital dying, refused all pain medication. The, the entire Jesus. the entire time and did it with no complication no doubt in his eye because there's there are things worse than death mm -hmm. and there are things worse than pain and when you look at what killed chris cornell you know he ostensibly hung himself but what he what had happened was he was addicted to ativan and Ativan is a medication that was prescribed to him for anxiety mm -hmm. because he was suffering from some anxiety pain. And I've been suffering from anxiety pain lately. And it is, and I've realized for the first time in my life that anxiety pain is real pain. Mm -hmm. It's not just like, oh, you're a scaredy cat or whatever. You're like, oh, this is awful. Anxiety is awful. But there are worse things. And one of those is being... A drug addict. So the so the doors, but but again, as you've said, that's all very personal, and every person has to find their own path. But if you are someone who is looking for an escape, and you can, there are there are millions of people who are millions of routes where people will say, "Oh, this isn't a drug, man. It's CBD. This is this isn't this. These aren't lewds, bro. This is Ativan. It's you need good to, for you." Need you need to change your conception of what a drug is to understand how different this is, essentially. Well, and you had, to, I mean, that that guy that was having pieces of shards of glass picked out of his eye without without anesthesia had been through the shit enough times to know. That there were worse things than the pain he was feeling. Wow. He didn't. He didn't get sober when he was 24 and then never drink again. You know, like he was in and out. He was up and down. He tried and failed and tried and failed and finally had a fucking had his feet on the ground and was not gonna lose it. And my dad too. I mean, my dad was like, "Are you kidding me? I'm gonna be sober for 
for 50 years and then spend the last two months of my life mm-hmm. like gacked out? No, I'm not. I'll, you know, I'm in pain and, and that's how I know I'm alive <laughs> whatever. But mm-hmm. you know, he was in real pain. It wasn't, he wasn't just like surfing it. Uh, but, but there were worse things. So for, for me talking to the tribunal, they were like, what is worth, you know, what is worth your sobriety? What is CBD doing? Relaxing you? You got muscle pain at the end of the day. You got, you need something to take the edge off. Like what you have to put everything it could possibly do to you in one column. And then in the other column, what you're putting, what, what your table stakes are, what you're putting up and is it worth it? And it's like, no, Jesus. Mm -hmm. When you put it that way, whatever fucking CBD, you know, like whatever, um, putting a little bit of it on my top lip in order to like be in order to walk through a graveyard without being scared. Like, <laughs> no, I'm not like my, my fucking sobriety isn't worth it. Mm-hmm. But, but there, but this microdosing thing. <laughs> <laughs> well, <laughs> I've read and heard a lot about it. I had read that it's a thing that's been sort of like a, I don't know, just there's been some some buzz about it in Silicon Valley for a while. And then a podcast I listened to did a whole episode about it where one of the guys actually tried it. And uh, there, there, I don't know. It's it's here's the thing, though. I mean, I don't, I don't want to talk you out of this, but <laughs> it does sound like one of those things where, OK, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to tell you about CBD oil, CBD oil, CBD oil will sound right up the alley for me. CBD oil. CBD oil sounded right up the alley. And this is, I'm going to pivot back to the microdosing in a second. But all I heard from everybody, because the only people who were talking about this were people who loved it. And all I heard from everybody was this is, this oil is going to, it's good for what ails you. In particular, Uh it's good for helping you sleep. In particular, Uh it's good for reducing anxiety. There's all kinds of stuff. There's nothing in, though there is not a surpassing amount of large study information about this, everything we know so far is that this stuff is great. I'll cut a very long story short. I tried it starting with very, very, very small amounts. And what I got out of it, I, I, it would be difficult for me. And this is, I was not doing a scientific study, but I would say it would be difficult for me to quantify the positive effects of this in a way that I couldn't write down to having a good day or a bad day, too much coffee, too little coffee. I you did, tried this. You tried this. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I've tried it like three or four different times thinking mm-hmm. like I must be missing something. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, uh, so, but I, you know, and I take, have just a little bit, the try more, um, little bit. just a little bit, just a little bit, there's no toxic dose. And so, uh, I don't know. I, what I did notice was I, I did feel like my, my dreams and my, my REM sleep was kind of weird and kind of, uh, not what I, what it used to be. I was dreaming less. I was having less REM sleep according to the app that tracks that stuff. And I read a little bit that said, well, it's not unusual for marijuana related things to disrupt your, your REM sleep. And I said, that was one of the first times I stopped. I'm, I'm just here to tell you, I'm going to say about one Saturday morning that I was very unhappy. Mm-hmm. Um, I took my usual regular amount of this stuff that literally has no psychotropic effects. It has no, can't literally can't do anything to you. CBD. I woke up in the middle of the night and felt kind of weird. And went to uh, have my uh, evening's gen- evening gentleman time and suddenly felt the tunnel, the black tunnel. And I really thought I was going to pass out. Uh, and I made it back to bed. I thought, wow, that was kind of strange. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah. 
uh, I woke up the next morning and I felt very un unwell. At first I thought, oh gosh, you know, maybe I slept weird, who knows? Um, very long story short, I was tripping half balls. Whoa. I was like, I, I was having trouble holding on to any thought for more than a second and a half or two. I started mm -hmm. to feel crazy. I started to feel basically like I was having a bad trip. And I didn't want to freak out my family. I didn't want to scare them. But I had a really fucking bad morning and into the afternoon of like nothing making sense. And it, it did eventually occur to me, oh, gosh, that's right. I took the totally harmless CBD oil that maybe that had some impact on this. <laughs> There's nothing else I took that could cause me to feel like I have tripping. I have not, tripping. I have not taken anything hallucinogenic in 25 years. Yeah. But okay, so here's the thing to know about this. Well, there's lots to know about this. One was like that should have been the only warning I ever needed to stay the hell away from this. Now, for some background, I will tell you that I have had um, pot in food, and almost every time I have pot in food, I pass out. Food pot, re regardless of the dose. I really, can I can drink all day long. I am I am somewhat sensitive to smoked marijuana. I'm extremely sensitive to eaten marijuana. So uh -huh. let's just say maybe I'm the weirdo. Maybe I'm the only person in the entire hemisphere who's gotten some kind of THC-like effects out of something that doesn't have THC in it, supposedly. The only, one. the only one, right. But it was really fucking jarring. It was really scary. And I'm kind of surprised that I kept trying to experiment. I got a better dropper, trying small amounts, thinking this thing's going to be this this great thing. You know, it's the dropper. The dropper. Well, bad, you know, bad on me, but I, I kept with it. And then finally I thought, you know... um, I guess maybe it was finally, then I started hearing there's been a lot of noise in the last, not noise, but news in the last, I'm going to say, couple months that, eh, eh, eh be what careful. Is, what is news if not noise? Well, some of this news was that even the premium stuff that I was getting, mm. it, there, that there's the quality control on it. You, you know, go do your own fucking due diligence on this. I'm just here to tell you, I do not believe for a second that you're getting the same thing with the same properties from all of the places. I'm sure we can find some reason to blame somebody about this, but I'm just here to tell you, that stuff is not harmless. It was not harmless for me. Mm -hmm. I'm not trying to scare anybody off doing it, mm -hmm. but I am saying that everybody's different, and that stuff kind of fucked me up a few times in a way that I think should be at least a pseudo-cautionary tale about mm -hmm. being careful with this stuff. And maybe you do have sensitivities or don't have sensitivities, but holy shit, is that ever true for acid? I don't want to show up for my Silicon Valley job and start tripping balls. Right. And however micro the dose is, I feel like you can microdose maybe if you don't. I, beats me, you know, beats me. But I, people don't people do it like every day? 90, 99% out of 199. Yeah. <laughs> I will uh, not do any kind of microdosing at all because I feel like I have not, I have not taken it to the, to the tribunal, but I know what they're going to say. I think that one's going to be an even tougher sell than the CBD oil for sure. Yeah, although there is within the within the world, I, I think within the world of drug people, like an acknowledgement that there's a, there there's a lot of ground between um, like taking a tiny bit of LSD and taking morphine. But I mm. think you're right. I think they're going to come back and say, "What are you risking?" And what do you seek, seek to gain? What are you looking for? A little bit more tingle on your day? What are you What are you putting up on? What's What's up on the table? Your mm -hmm. sobriety? Well, and let's we, we should say, and I'm not encouraging this, but I, I have seen people say that it does help with some of the things that you and I both suffer from. Right. That that it it can be a useful like a, I guess like a mood stabilizer in some ways. 
I people think say if, lots of things about what it's good for. They do. They do. And I think that there could be a time when my uh, when this new free floating anxiety uh, would be causing me so much pain that I would that I would be willing to look deeper inside the box. Yeah. Um, but I hope not. And I hope, you know, I was at a party uh, recently where, um, you know, Maria Semple, we've talked about Maria yeah, Semple. Right. She's, Maria, uh, isn't she the partner of somebody that we know? Yes. Well, and she is, she is, um, she and her partner both are uh, like pretty, so she, her. The writer types. Yeah. Her husband is um, a George from the Simpsons. George, George Mayer? George Mayer. From the Simpsons, and they were both at the party, and they and they, and I enjoy them very much. They're they're wonderful people, and and um, George and I agreed that neither of us like superheroes. But mm-hmm. Maria and mm. I talked a little bit, and she was like, "Listen, because she's you know she's she's seeking solutions. She's looking for she's looking toward the future." And she said, "What do you know about TM?" And I said, "I know it stands for Transcendental Meditation." Mm-hmm. And she said, "I know, but what else?" And I was like. Uh, I know a lot about it, actually, because I have a friend, my friend Hookers and Popcorn, mm-hmm. grew up in a transcendental meditation community mm. in Iowa. And she was like, oh, well, that's not what I was expecting you to say. But anyway, I would expect people, you to say my foul cards are David Lynch and uh, something like flying. Yogic flying. That's my that's my two foul cards is, you know, but uh, David Lynch seems to present it in a very wholesome way. But I think of David Lynch and I think of uh, supposedly flying. You don't think of the White Album? Is that Jaguar Deva Ohm? Uh, yeah, I mean, weren't the, all those guys were over there with... Oh, you're uh, talking about with uh, Sexy Sadie. Oh, Sexy you're Sadie, right. Was yeah. that TM? No, yeah, I think so. That wasn't well, TM, was no, it? I believe it was, yes. Huh, all right. Okay. Uh, and I think that's, you know, she was just... Her, her go-to was like, Mia Farrow. And I'm like, look, I do not follow Mia Farrow on Twitter. Mm-hmm. So okay. I don't know. Like, that, she's not you my follow go-to. Ronan? I don't follow Ronan either. Ronan's a very good writer. I know he's a nice person and I know he's a good writer, but no, I do not follow him. Uh, but so she was like, TM is really the way to go. And I was like, really? And she said, yes. Hmm. It's it, it, she okay uh, with you talking about this? Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And then she said, the other thing, Stoics. The Stoics. <laughs> the ultimate white guy philosophy. And I was like, the Stoics. It's you mean the like. the philosophy of privileged white people. <laughs> the, uh, uh, because my psychiatrist. Yeah. You know, like my psychiatrist. What about the art whatever. of war by Sun Tzu? Does she recommend yeah, you that? Yeah, know, you know what? What it, I, sh- I should have recommended. In times that. of peace, prepare for war. But uh, but my psychiatrist, what what was it? Nine months ago, that was like you need to read Epictetus. Mm-hmm. And I was like, uh huh, uh huh. So I went. I'm not sure. I'm not sure if I followed all the way through with this, but I went to my Harvard uh, five foot shelf of books collection. Yeah. Of which I have like six or seven different versions of the Harvard five foot shelf of books. Hmm. And I went through and I was like, you know, they're, they're, everything's in these. They're, sure. Like, and so I found Epictetus and I was reading it and I was like, yeah, these are just aphorisms. Like, I can't live according to aphorisms. I love them. I'll write aphorisms all day. But like, <laughs> there's these are Instagrams just, about it. These are just Greek uh, aphorisms. And I'm not going to like, I do, I do not feel in the mood to go like dig into Heraclitus. Mm-hmm. Hmm. Uh, but she was saying transcendental meditation and the Stoics together combined form a uh, a new matrix of ectoplasm mental ectoplasm hmm. which uh is like a, a like a different level of um solve your problem hmm. 
And I was like, all right, I'm, I am, you know me, Merlin, I'm open to everything. You're a seeker. I they, they call you the seeker. They do. I'm mm -hmm. seeking all the time. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I've got some calls in. I called Epictetus. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, I called Epictetus. The first question was, is it Epictetus or Epictetus? He's got, he's, his Wikipedia picture is him with a crutch, which seems kind of... Not not being ableist. Well, no, I, th I think if you went to Gandhi's Wikipedia page, he's probably got a crutch. I'm just saying, your number one philosopher, you know, King of New York, a number one, for you, it would probably not be somebody with a literal crutch. You remember, you remember when uh, that kid wrote into MacArthur and said, mm -hmm. why, do you, why do you always walk with a cane? Mm -hmm. And MacArthur threw the cane in the garbage can. <gasps> oh, that was a great scene. Huh. They do that in Sherlock, too. Throw the cane in the garbage can? Well, John Watson, he puts the cane away. I think Sherlock proves to him that he, that he, that he didn't really need it. I'm not saying that you don't really need it. Please don't email us. Right. But, uh, but uh, so she's saying you get a wholesome, all-purpose cocktail out of a combination of TM and stoicism. Yes. And, I mean, and, I think she's okay. fairly recent uh, into this. I think she's experimenting. What is it? What is it? Is it a Venn diagram thing where they offer complementary things? I think so. I think hmm. that's what it is. I think hmm. it. I think you do a little this, you do a little that. Sure. You do a little dance. You make a little love. Mm -hmm. Get down the um, And you. Uh, hmm. But the thing that, that I didn't realize is that you have to pay transcendental meditation one thousand dollars to get your mantra. Mm. See, I was going to, I didn't like, want to interrupt you, but this is reminding me of a podcast, a pretty good podcast I've been listening to about multi-level marketing and uh, about revealing the problems with multi-level marketing. And mm. in this latest episode, they highlight who it is that's really affected by MLMs. And it's, it's not rich people. The people, right. the people who are affected by get rich quick schemes are people with not so much money. You got single, you got single parents, single moms, you got sure. retirees, you got people who have had a, like a sudden like economic hardship. And sure. the people who are least, the, the people who can afford at least are the people, the, and to use a word that you've used that's crept into my vocabulary, people who are vulnerable. Mm -hmm. People who are vulnerable find themselves in these systems. And then they're told that the reason they're not doing well is because they don't believe it enough which makes them even more vulnerable. And they're moving from one to the other. And pretty soon they could be hundreds or thousands of dollars in debt. Yes. So that's probably not TM, but I don't know. Uh, no, you I don't, think... You don't have to pay for the stoicism though, right? That's all open source. I don't know. Okay. I honestly don't know exactly where... It's not in the uh, Harvard five-foot books. I don't think it's in the five-foot books. Okay. I'm going to... I'm, I, But I do have this... I do have a friend who grew up in... In in the, the TM community, which I didn't even know was a thing until I met her, I was not sure hmm. that I didn't know that there were TM communities. There's a town. Is this popcorn and motorcycles. Who's this? By hookers and popcorn. Okay, yeah. all right. Um, so all of this is like, oh, it's all, it's all. It's giving you a lot to chew on. It's a lot to chew on. I do not think that I'm going to microdose. I'm a hundred percent close to sure that I'm not going to give a thousand dollars to. Transcendental meditation to get my mantra. Is that the cover charge? Yeah. Okay. Uh, they, there are a bunch of mantras, but only one is yours. You think it's so they know you're serious? I don't know. Hmm. I don't know. But you know, one time I got a membership at the Seattle University uh, Health Club. Hmm. Um, but back when Seattle University would let non-students use their gym. Mm -hmm. And uh, they gave me an ID card. And I walked around for an entire year and never once went. 
Hmm. And that ID card, and it was not a cheap ID card. This was back when I didn't have a ton of money, and it was like a hundred bucks for a year or something like that. And I and I walked around with this thing. Maybe it was three hundred bucks for a year. I walked around with this thing in my pocket for a year, and it just throbbed. It was just like a like a like a sore, of like a like an, a polyp in my wallet, reminding me every day of what I had, what I was failing to do, how I had failed. Oh yeah. And then I gym, was, gym membership. I mean, that's close to a classic example of that. I was never so relieved as when New Year's Day arrived and my membership no longer was active. It's like people who could, like uh, sort their laundry on a treadmill, not while they're riding it, but like that's where they store the laundry they folded. Oh yeah, yeah. One of those constant reminders that you chose poorly. You chose poorly. This thing yeah. is right here in the middle of the room. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I'm going to pay a thousand dollars to just feel bad about not Could having done audit, my meditations. I probably, I mean, I think everything's online. Sure. I mean, I looked up yogic flying not very long ago just because I just, I delight in it. I bet you'd be I pretty d- good at that. Yogic flying? Well, it seems to me that once you really get into something, you, you dive deep in it. You could probably yogic fly. I bet you only get that at the higher levels. You have to be, I think, a lot more flexible than I am. I don't know. Don't Also, you have to have a bouncy mattress. See, everybody's got their reasons. Now, what about the stuff? So, hmm, so you're, sure. you're, you're seeking right now. There are many avenues. You have concentric circles. There's some things you're considering, but you're probably not going to allow in. What's your, your medium-term goals here? I would, like I, to, I would like to have some of this stuff that people talk about when they say, um, I, uh, I made a list of all the things that were in my power. Mm. And I go, uh-huh, uh-huh, okay, mm. tell me more, tell me more. And they're like, I made a list of all the things that are in my power. And then the things that weren't in my power, I no longer worried about. And I'm like, okay, all right, mm-hmm. all right, I'm listening. Um, how do you know the difference? And they were like, oh, well, something. And I go, oh, okay, mm-hmm. interesting. Mm-hmm. But what about what about this? And they're like, well, I didn't really think about that. Or whatever, you know, like, mm-hmm. I, it's not mm-hmm. like I'm, I'm not disabusing them of things. But somebody was asking me about my anxiety the other day and they were like you know one of the things is you just have to you make a list and then you just have to stop worrying about what other people think and i was like i'm not worried about what other people think i'm worried about being buried alive mm-hmm. or getting and a, a hood over your head and put in the back of a cop car right which is a form of being it's buried a form alive. of being buried alive it's a yes yeah, a civic form of being buried alive and they were like well i mean that's kind of an you know like they were they were they were trying to connect it to something. They were like, I think, you know, it's it's like a metaphor for like if you're worried about what other people think. And I'm like, it's not. That's not. It's just literally what I'm worried up, about. Like, yeah, being buried alive is my greatest fear. And every and if you leave me alone in a room yeah. and give me enough time, it's like six degrees of Kevin Bacon. I can take any scenario. Six degrees of buried alive. And if you spend yeah. more, three more minutes with that person, that you're going to say to them, see, no, 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 you don't understand. I'm really worried about being buried alive. And they say, do you know that that's crazy? And you say, yes, I know that that's crazy. <laughs> ask me if that makes me feel better. Ask me, ask me if knowing why I'm anxious or why I'm not anxious or why I could or couldn't change. Ask me if knowing any of that is making this better for me. Well, and this this conversation at this at this particular event uh, did get a little weird because they were touting whatever their system was, and I was like, I I want to hear all about it. Can it help me stop worrying about being buried alive? Yeah. And we arrived at a place where they felt like maybe it couldn't, mm-hmm. and that 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 what I had was something that needed more. And that's when you that say, I, can I speak with your manager? I needed more help. And I was like, all right, well, good. I'm glad we've, we've eliminated <laughs> your got, system. You got through like first level tech support. Did you try unplugging it and plugging it back in? 
You need to talk to their manager. You need to get this escalated. <laughs> yeah. Not really worried about what other people think. I'm not sure what that must feel like. Okay, I'm Mr. Very sorry Roderick, for you. I'm just looking over your file, uh, just catching up here. I hope you're doing very well. It looks as though you cannot be talked out of anxiety about being buried alive. Is that correct? <laughs> Do you have Mac or PC? Yeah, that's right. Mac or PC. <laughs> have you tried turning it off and turning it back on again? <laughs> Blow the dust out. So, yeah, so I'm looking for something because I do feel like being buried alive is something that I can uh, have some effect over, right? Like I can make some choices. You can avoid, uh, <laughs> you can avoid, I don't want to make light of this. I don't want to go out into a cornfield with a no. with like Joe Pesci. And five strangers with shovels, like right. offer to give you a ride somewhere. No. And there you're are near a country. There are choices I could make in life that would lead me closer toward being buried alive. Like I could start right now if I had it as a goal. Oh, you could do it as a face of fear thing. Like you start out just by making a hole, but then don't do anything with it. Right. But it, well, you know that kind of therapy? Like uh, if you're scared of snakes, first you hold a string, that kind of thing? Oh, no, I haven't heard that. If you, if you I, just bury your, what if you just buried yourself a little bit? What if, what if you just I, buried your feet? I feel like it's the G. Gordon Liddy thing of like, oh, I'm afraid of lightning, so I'm going to tie myself into a tree in a lightning storm. And then the birds peck out your liver every day. Yeah, then I'll eat a rat. And you'll eat a rat. What, what if you had a friend bury your feet? Well, you know, I, I, yeah. when I go to the beach, I get my feet buried. I, yeah. I don't, but nobody's got a bag over my head. I, maybe that's the element. <laughs> this is really complicated. <laughs> so many factors to consider. Really, no, just the bag okay. and the, and and the, the buried alive. Buried. Yeah, okay. and the handcuffs, the bag of handcuffs. <laughs> okay, all right. Bag handcuffs buried alive. All right. The thing is, there are people out there mm -hmm. that are so into bag and handcuffs. Yeah, it's, it's very German. Whole, very German for it's sure. It's a whole genre. Yeah. Right? If I went online, if I went on Craigslist and was just like bag and handcuffs, called, two uh, bits. Bagenscheitze. Right. Bagenscheitze. Yeah. It's not what I want. So you're not going to microdose, probably. I don't think so. I'm not going to microdose. I'm not going to take any CBD. Mm hmm. I don't think I'm going to give $1,000 to Transcendental Meditation. Mm -hmm. And I am not going to probably read Heraclitus. And I don't... And no, leave Heraclitus out of this. You can you pick on that Epictetus guy. But like you leave Heraclitus out of this. Heraclitus had some good things to say. <laughs> oh, for sure. Mm. E Epictetus. <laughs> He's not going to charge you uh, 1,000 uh, drachmas or whatever. Epictetus. Epictetus. Did, he also had many great things to say. I look, I, it's not like this is the first time I ever read these guys. The only thing worse than being talked about is not being talked about. No problem. Losing one parent is a shame. <laughs> Losing two seems like carelessness. I think I'm confusing Oscar <laughs> Wilde. <laughs>